What's up, everybody? This is the Weird Story Bro podcast, and we're going to talk about weird stories. And uh, I'm the bro, I guess. My name's Big Nate, and I hope you enjoy this. But before we jump into this podcast today, let's have a word about our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. What's up, guys? As usual, I'm back with a weird story. Um, This time, we're going to take a trip down the lane of uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren in the paranormal field. If you don't know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are, well, that's weird if you don't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But they were pretty much the sweethearts, so to speak, of the uh, haunted culture in America. Um, They uh, researched a lot of paranormal things. Um, very famous. Um, they were uh, a couple, obviously. Uh, Ed was a self-proclaimed demonologist, um, and uh, Lorraine was a sensitive or some form of psychic. And this is their words, not mine. Um, Lorraine believed she could see auras around people and could see ghosts and things like that. And so they would tell uh, Ed. Uh, did a lot of research on demonology and uh, claims to have worked with the Catholic Church uh, in certain cases. There's a lot, there is some controversy surrounding them, but there's also some uh, evidence they provided that was amazing um, in the paranormal field. And so uh, you want to research them, go for it. A lot of you probably know uh, The Conjuring Universe, like those movies, uh, the movie Annabelle, which is what we're going to talk about today, is the story of Annabelle the doll, because um, it fits right into that weird category I like to talk about. Um, those are some of the more famous cases they covered that actually turned into movies later. And they were also known for taking the, air quotes here, haunted objects. Um, and I sound like a skeptic. I'm just a natural skeptic on certain things. I'm not trying to be a booty. But, you know, like I said, there's controversy surrounding him. But the stories are strange and weird um, and spooky. So... But anyway, they took these haunted objects and they actually built a museum um, in, uh, at their house that they would allow people to come through and view. Now, sadly, both of them have passed away, um, but their son-in-law um, still runs the museum. So there's still, you know, you can go see the, the doll and all the other spooky objects. They did a lot of cases, but there's just some that are more prominent um, than the others. A lot of people know more of them. Uh, about the more mainstream ones than some of the other ones. But they are an interesting research. So if you want to dive right into them uh, and and see all the the crazy stuff they got into as paranormal researchers. So today, we're going to talk about uh, Annabelle, the doll. Um, It's, uh, if you've seen the movie, it's loosely based off of their account over this doll. Um, But there's little nuggets of truth in there about things that happen. Um, But the story is um, that Annabelle um, is a haunted doll. Um, It's a Raggedy Ann doll. A lot of y'all know what Raggedy Ann dolls look like. Uh, And uh, this Raggedy Ann doll was a gift. This is where it all started. So we're going to go back uh, to the 1970s. So we're going to be in the 70s when this happened. Um, So basically... There was a girl named Donna, um, and she was uh, she worked in the medical field as a nurse. Um, and her and her roommate Angie um, lived together in this apartment. And uh, Donna's mother 
gifted her this Raggedy Ann doll that she had found. She thought it was a cute gift for Donna's 28th birthday. Now, Donna thought it was awesome, and so she brought it back to her apartment, and uh, her and Angie just had this doll set up in their apartment. They just thought it was a cute little thing to keep there. Um, just kind of a cute little, you know, furniture piece, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it. But they just had this Raggedy Ann doll that was given to them. They, they adored it, thought it was cute, so they kept it around the house. Um, but then, like, they would, they would sit it on the sofa um, in their front room, and so people could see it when it would come in and kind of a conversation piece. And so, but after a while, weird things started to happen, as in the doll seemed to be moved on its own. Um, nobody would move it at all. And then people would put it in different, like, well, you would think people would put it in different places, but nobody was home. And so they would come home and the doll would be in different places. Donna would put her on the sofa. And then when she would go to work, uh, and come back, uh, she would find the doll in the bedroom with the door shut. Odd, right? And so they also started finding notes uh, in the house or in the apartment saying things like help me and stuff like that, um, looking like it had been written by a child. Um, and so they were on parchment paper, these notes were, and they claimed they didn't even keep that kind of paper in their home. So there's all kinds of weird stuff that's unexplainable that's happening. Um, Angie's boyfriend, uh, who named Lou, uh, was in the apartment one afternoon and didn't really believe in this doll thing. He thought it was just stupid. And, uh, he claims to have heard rustling in Donna's room. Like, and so he thought somebody might've, you know, busted in the apartment was, you know, coming in to thief some stuff, thieves some stuff, whatever. And, uh, but he couldn't find any like broken glass, no windows busted out, no doors busted open. And the only thing he found when he made it to the room was Annabelle laying on the ground. Um, and one source, he was actually asleep in the apartment one day and experienced sleep paralysis. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically when you wake up and you can't move, you can see everything, but you can't move your body. And the doll apparently climbed on top of him and tried to strangle him, which I don't know how a Raggedy Ann doll would do that. But but anyway, um, he felt pains on his chest. And when he took his shirt off uh, after this scenario took place, um, he had claw marks like cut across his chest. And there was blood on his shirt, and it was kind of gruesome looking. And then, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, crazy. And then just a couple days later, it was like the cuts never existed. Looked like he got slashed by a bear or a wolf or something or a tiger. Um, but then it just disappeared after a couple days and it was a pretty bloody mess. So it was odd that this was happening to him. So after this happens, the girls are kind of freaking out about the doll and they're like, there's something going on here, which duh. So they do something I would never advise and they invite a medium over to help kind of see what's going on with this doll. And so the medium holds this seance with the women. Once again, wouldn't recommend this kind of thing. Nothing good ever happens from it. And she comes to the conclusion that this doll, whom they haven't named Annabelle yet, but this is where the name comes from. This doll is possessed by some seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. And they had found this body years earlier in the same site where this apartment had been. And so it all seemed to make sense. Um, and so the medium claimed uh, 
that this doll was harmless, that the girl that was possessing it was harmless, um, and she just wanted a family. And so the two girls, Angie and Donna, are like, okay, well, let's be parents to this thing. Let's take care of it and dress it up and treat it like a, a an actual little girl. Um, apparently, they even took it on drives in their car um, and, you know, like I said, bought her little outfits and things like that and talked to her um, and just wanted to treat her like a normal child. Um, it didn't work out that well, though, because they started getting freaked out. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, come on guys, like what world do we live in, um, being a minister? Um, and I try to be unbiased as I read these things, but I'm just gonna put this out there. Even if you're not a Christian, what world do you want to play with a doll that's possessed by anything? So, (laughs) oh boy. So things start happening while this doll is in the house, even though they're treating it kindly, Things are happening that's freaking them out. Like, obviously, Angie's boyfriend being clawed up is bad enough. But things are moving around. They find the notes. Stuff's just creeping them out. And they're like, we've got to put this spirit at peace, so to speak, is what they want to do. So they call over a uh, priest, an an Episcopal priest, uh, known as Father Hegan. And so Hegan decides, or he he calls uh, the guy above him, whose name is Father Cook, and Father Cook decides to get a hold of Ed and Lorraine Warren because they're famous for researching paranormal things and objects and houses. So Ed and Lorraine Warren decide to go check things out. Um, and they believe that the reason what's really making this bad is that these girls are treating this doll like a little girl. Uh, and it is not a little girl. It's a demonic spirit that's pretending to be one just so it can take residence with them and, you know, get its hooks into them by them showing it attention. And so this is a quote by them uh, from uh, the Warrens. Uh, I don't know if Ed or Lorraine said it, but either way, it's coming from, you know, this unit of paranormal investigators. They say this, spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Well, imagine being told that. You'd be spooked out of your mind. So, the Warrens believed that the goal of this doll... Um, number one, they were like, hey, that medium's a bunch of bunk. Uh, this isn't possessed by some seven-year-old girl. This is a demonic spirit that's using this thing like a puppet to garner attention uh, and to, you know, eventually wants to possess one of the living people in this home. Um, and so the Warrens basically decide that it's time for an exorcism on this doll. Um, they're going to get rid of this evil spirit. And they're going to do this, well, not over the doll, but the actual apartment itself. Um, and they he wants Father Cook to do it. Uh, well, the Warrens asked Father Cook to do this. So then they get Annabelle uh, out of the apartment after this takes place. Um, and they decide they're going to keep her in their occult museum, uh, basically to keep this evil spirit that's attached to this doll trapped is their goal. Um, and so they take it and they put it in a box um, inside of 
their haunted, you know, museum down there. And they, they claim the reason that they keep this museum, because a lot of times people are like, why in the world would anybody want to sit on top of a landmine, uh, you know, like all these haunted objects, whether you believe it or not, you know, no one's going to take a, a haunted object or, a, you know, hundreds of haunted objects like they have uh, and keep them in their place. That sounds crazy. Why not burn them or whatever? And they claim the reason that they never did this is because they believe that spirits attach themselves to these items. So they don't want to burn them up because they don't want these spirits to be free. They would rather keep them in prison and keep them from hurting other people. Whether you believe in this or not, you can you can kind of at least see the logic in there. So they take Annabelle out, they put her in a box, and they stick her in, uh, they take it home with them. But the Warrens said that the, the paranormal stuff only continued when they ended up in, in possession of the doll. Um, apparently, I mean, within minutes of taking possession of the doll, things started to happen to the Warrens. So after the exorcism in the apartment, uh, the Warrens take Annabelle and they put her in the back seat of their car. Uh, and they were like, we're not even going to take the highway. Okay. <laughs> because we're afraid some kind of accident could happen. Apparently when Lorraine held the doll, it made her feel horrible. Like she knew there was just something evil about this doll. And so they were transporting this doll with extreme care because they really truly believe that there's some kind of demonic force attached to it. And so they want to be very careful and put themselves out of harm's way as much as possible. Um, but apparently even though they're taking all these back roads and things to avoid the main highway, things just kept happening to them. Uh, Lorraine claimed that the brakes failed often. Like while they were transporting the doll, their brakes would just go out in the car, uh, and they would nearly crash. And, uh, Ed, who carried around holy water, uh, grabbed it and threw it on the doll. Um, and when he did, their brakes got back to normal. So they're driving and their car's brakes are cutting out, which is dangerous as heck, obviously. And apparently Ed turns around, splashes the doll with holy water, and their brakes begin to work again. Um, creepy. So they finally, they make it home. And uh, Lorraine, and, and so ultimately they put the ball in, the doll in a box and put it in their, their museum. But this is the transition to that. I, I hope you understand that. So once they got home, they put the doll in Ed's uh, study. And so they document things that happen with this doll. Apparently, uh, they would find the doll all over the house, even though they put it in the study, just like it was going on, going on in the apartment before. Wherever they put the doll, it wouldn't be there when they came back. Um, apparently, he even locked it in, in his office uh, in an outer building outside of their home, uh, and they said that they would still find her in the house. Um, so... Now comes the box. They stick her in a box and they lock her up and they're like, we're keeping her in here and uh, we're, we're, we're making sure this doll can't get where it needs to go. Um, so they they went and had a, uh, a glass. It's one of those boxes, you know, that's got a glass front, right? Kind of like you would put dolls in for display. Um, but they had a specially made glass and wood case constructed. So it wasn't like they just bought a box. They actually put, put one together um, and they inscribed the Lord's Prayer on the box and St. Michael's prayer, you know, the St. Michael defend us in battle, uh, uh, prayer. And so they would say that prayer, uh, anytime they had to move her or move that box, they would say the St. Michael's prayer before they ever touched this thing. Um, and they wanted to make sure, uh, that it stayed trapped. <laughs> like they didn't want it to 
be free to roam because it's dangerous things are happening with this doll. Um, once they put her in the box, aside from when they moved her, apparently uh, during the Conjuring movies, um, there were some special releases where uh, they uh, were Ed and Lorraine Warren's son-in-law um, would bring the doll uh, in its case and let people see it. Um, he would let people view it. Uh, obviously, he's making some cash off. That's why he's doing it. That's where some of the controversy comes in because they're like, hey, if this thing's really as bad as it seems, why are you trying to make a profit? And I'm like, eh, I'm six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Like, you know, I'm skeptical, but there is a lot of documentation on creepy stuff happening with this doll. And uh, if I'm going to keep a creepy object in my home, why do it for free, right? So anyway, they want to keep it trapped in the box. They have the box blessed. They say this prayer over it all the time. They tell people not to touch the box. You can look up images of this online. Um, so... Things still didn't stop happening, though, even though she's locked in this box. Even though the doll physically never moved anywhere again, aside from when they, when they would move it themselves, uh, things would happen to people that visited to look at the doll. Um, there was a priest one time that went and visited the doll. Uh, and uh, he apparently picked up the doll and said, You're nothing but a doll. You have no power, nothing, something to that nature, um, and mocked it. And Ed was like, that was a terrible thing to do. You know, you don't need to mock that doll. I promise weird stuff has happened. And the police, the, the police, the priest was a skeptic and he just laughed at him. And so when the priest left after he had, you know, slapped around this doll, um, I guess to prove a point, he nearly died in a car crash uh, on his way home from that visit. Apparently it totaled his brand new car. He lived, but but it was a miracle that he did. And that was right after he did what he did to the doll. Um, and he apparently, this priest says that he claimed to see the doll in his rearview mirror just before he crashed his car. So, yeah, creepy stuff. And that's from the priest that, you know, from him, from he himself. Um, and another time, somebody came through and, and looked at it. And they're told not to touch the glass, don't touch the doll, don't touch anything. There's even a sign that says, do not touch or do not open um, on the front part of the, the glass that Annabelle's in. And uh, one of these good old boys decided to tap on the glass um, and basically mocked the doll and said it was stupid that anybody believes in this junk. And uh, yeah, on his way back, he lost control of his motorcycle and he wrecked it. He, he, ran, he went head first into a tree and it killed him, and uh, it killed him instantly. Um, his girlfriend uh, was with him riding on the back of the, the motorcycle, and she lived, but she was pretty banged up. So that was another account of someone teasing about the doll while it was locked up in the case. Um, she claimed that right before the accident happened, they were talking about the doll and how stupid it was, like they were making fun of it as they were driving down the road. Basically, I guess they came to that museum just to make get a laugh because they didn't believe in it. And then this wreck happened and her boyfriend died and she was seriously injured. And so uh, they, they told these stories to people to kind of warn them about the doll. You can go see it, but don't do nothing stupid. Um, like I said, there's a lot of controversy around these things. Uh, but it's, you know, there's a lot of documentation on it. Uh, 
you know, from different people saying things that they've experienced uh, when, when being around this doll. So, uh, they became a movie franchise later, you know that, and you've probably seen the Annabelle movie, who make the doll way more creepier than the, the actual doll itself. Um, they kind of make it like this porcelain, creepy, Chucky-esque doll, uh, while, you know, it was a, it's a cloth, raggedy Ann doll, like that's old school as heck. So, um, but anyway, guys, um, that's the story of Annabelle, um, just a creepy, creepy thing. Uh, do I believe it? Mm, you know, like I said, I'm a skeptic, but you know, I keep my, I keep my mind open, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I just kind of, I, I don't count anything out. Um, but you know, like I said, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of controversy there. So I try to keep my mind open and say, Hey, this could happen. Uh, but I haven't experienced in it, any of it myself. And I don't, I'm not in any, in, in any hurry to experience it myself. And you can look up all kinds of stuff online of people that have visited this doll. Um, and they claim to have had creepy occurrences happen. Um, and so I'm just glad I don't have her in my possession. So, but anyway, guys, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed the episode today. Um, kind of a longer one than normal. Um, thank y'all for tuning in. God bless. Uh, yeah. Tune in for the next weird story. Later.